0: Good evening and uh, welcome. We'll continue in Jeremiah from where we left off uh, the last time. We'll start in chapter 26. And we will uh, continue through the conflicts of the prophets. Prophet. So just to do a, a quick recap. Let me find this here. So just to do a quick recap of uh, where we left off. So, the last time we went through the first 25 chapters of Jeremiah rather quickly, I realize, but uh, we made it. Uh, through the 25 chapters of Jeremiah, we covered uh, the call that God had placed on his life. And then we covered the uh, 12 uh, different sermons uh, or messages that he gave, that the Lord gave him to give to the people. Uh, and uh, these were sermons and messages that were probably hard. Actually, we know they were hard for the children of Israel to hear. Uh, or children of Judah to hear, and we will read a little bit more about uh, their response uh, in tonight's lesson. Um, but as we, we look through these, it's important to note that uh, writers of this era did not necessarily write in a chronological order. Uh, they wrote in um, more of a thematic way. Uh, so we've covered the sermons, now we'll cover the conflicts. And so the conflicts cover some of the responses that different people uh, gave Uh, for Jeremiah's uh, messages. And they're broken into four different parts, and we'll have four different chapters uh, for us to look into. Uh, The first is the conflict with his enemies. Uh, That's uh, chapter 26. The conflict with false prophets. Uh, The conflict with Hananiah, who was also a false prophet, but it's specific to him. And then the conflict with Shemiah, and we'll read uh, more there. Uh, We'll open with a key verse here. It says uh, at the beginning of the lesson, uh, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, uh, sayeth the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And that's Jeremiah 29.11. And it seems after all that we've read already with the coming destruction and the anger uh, that the Lord uh, put toward Judah, uh, this seems a little out of place. Uh, but but it's really not. And we covered this in the previous lesson. Uh, the mercy of God was reaching out through Jeremiah uh, to the people of Judah. And he, he repeatedly in the messages called for them to repent, called for them to come back to Him and to, to give up their worldly uh, ways and come back to what they knew. And the Lord is so faithful that we read several accounts Uh, prior to this and even really after this, where we we see where God was faithful in His way and when people would come and repent, well, it says even uh, explicitly, He said He would repent of the evil that He has thought toward them. So uh, here we see God's mercy and again another evidence of this, uh, for I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil uh, to give you an expected end. What a blessing to think that God would still reach out Uh, to these people, uh, even though they had uh, gone their own way. Well, it sounds a lot like today too, doesn't it? Uh, People have gone their own way. Uh, But God still reaches out. The Spirit of God still reaches out uh, with the message of love and forgiveness. Let's continue into this lesson and we'll read uh, right away Jeremiah chapter 26. We'll look into uh, verse 2. Uh, It says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak unto all the cities of Judah, uh, which come to worship in the Lord's house all the words that I command thee to speak unto them. He says, Diminish not a word. It's a really important point here. Uh, God has a plan. Uh, God is perfect. So anything that you and I do to modify or to change, or to make kinder or more palatable the message that God gives. We are doing God a disservice. And really, uh, God will hold us accountable for that. Uh, We read in the Revelation, and as I encouraged you last time, uh, have a a pad and pen, something to write with. Maybe if you have the lesson in front of you, just write these down. But in Revelation 22, 18 and 19, it says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now, this is speaking specifically of the the prophecy given to John, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, as it were, uh, but, but there's no reason that we shouldn't apply this to the rest of God's Word. God is, is perfect. And so when he says something, he means exactly that. Uh, so he told Jeremiah, he said, diminish not a word. And that's important as we go through this. Uh, we don't want to diminish or take away anything from the Word of God. Uh, we continue reading here, and this is the, uh, the conflict with his enemies. And we read in uh, chapter 26, verses 7-9, through it says, So the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. Now it came to pass when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people, that the priests and the prophets and all the people took him, saying, Thou shalt surely die. Why hast thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh? And this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant. And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. Uh, The people responded with anger and they truly, they wanted to kill uh, Jeremiah for the words that he was speaking, for the words that God had given him. They wanted to kill him. Uh, We have a number of examples, even in modern times uh, of similar things because people hold on to their Christian beliefs and other people uh, persecute, or or even uh, we read or we read we we heard of an account in, uh several years ago of many that were beheaded for their faith in Christ. Um, just a, a quick note about Shiloh. Uh, you can look that uh, up in Jeremiah seven twelve. He also talks about Shiloh, uh, and you can look back into that. But if you read in Psalm seventy eight verses sixty through sixty eight. Um, you can read that it was forsaken uh, by God. Shiloh was the first place that they set up worship of the Lord after they reached the promised land. It was the place where uh, they had uh, brought the ark of God. It was the place where God met with the people right after they had come into the promised land. And you can think, well, how, how can that happen? Why why would God allow Shiloh this first place? Well, it, first of all, it was just a place. Uh, the thing that made it special was that God met with them there. Uh, but what had happened was, and is, is true that we read here in the Word of God, we, what had happened was they had forgotten God then. They had began to mistreat the things. And during Samuel's time, uh, they took uh, the Ark of God and they began to use it or try to use it against the Philistines, and that was not God's plan. Well, God eventually uh, brought Shiloh uh, to a desolation. Uh, so this is what he's saying, that, that Jer- Judah and Jerusalem will be a desolation. Uh, and so he uh, he's making it very clear. And people do this. People respond to the Word of God in many different ways. Uh, perhaps uh, you've been witness. Perhaps you have responded to the Word of God in these ways, but uh, they bring anger. Uh, somehow they're angry. One man told me one time that, uh, that I can't tell him how to live. Uh, well, the beauty of this is that I, I'm not trying to tell anybody how to live. It isn't up to me to determine that. I'm not telling you how to live, and and hopefully you won't tell me how to live. That isn't what it's about. But God has set a standard in His Word that if we live by that standard, we can make heaven our home. But if we choose to not live by that standard, if we choose to go away from the things that God has taught us, then destruction is in our path. So you and I don't tell people how to live, but people respond with anger to what God has said. People might ignore what God has said. And people might uh, persecute. And I've heard numerous accounts of people, even in my own generation, uh, where somebody uh, scorned them, laughed at them, uh, did uh, terrible things to them because of their stand in Christ. But the beauty of the message of God, uh, God's Word will not return void unto Him. And so there's that chance uh, that God's Word will strike the heart bring conviction. And then we might have an opportunity then from that conviction to bring repentance. Uh, The Lord uh, talks in Luke uh, chapter 8. Actually, it's mentioned in several of the Gospels. But in Luke 8, you can look it up at the sower and the seed in which the the Word is sown. uh, And there's responses to that Word. Some receive it gladly, but then fall away because uh, the devil steals it out of their heart. Some uh receive it, but then they go through trials. Some receive it, but then the cares of life choke it out. Oh, but we want to be the good ground. Let that word penetrate your heart. The word that we speak tonight, let it penetrate your heart. Let it get right down into that place where you live. A lot of people try to acknowledge the word of God on a mental level and just keep it up in their mind. They don't want to let it penetrate their heart because then they have to do something more. Let it penetrate your heart. But the, the words of the prophet speak to you today. Uh, they were designed for that purpose. God had someone write them down for us that we could receive what he would want to tell us. So the question that I have for you is, how do you react to the word of God? That's really the ultimate question, isn't it? How do you react to the word? When, you know, you're by yourself and maybe you get that impression that you should read do you find something else to do? Uh, ask yourself that question. As we continue, the, uh, they wanted to stone. They wanted to kill Jeremiah. Uh, actually, I don't think it says stone, but they wanted to kill Jeremiah. They wanted to uh, get rid of him right there. And there were uh, actually a couple that came to his defense. Uh, and so we'll read verses 18 through 24. And they gave two different examples of the way they could handle this. Uh, Micah the Morasthite prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, sorry, this is Jeremiah twenty-six eighteen, king of Judah, and spake to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house of the high places of a forest. Did Hezekiah king of Judah and all Judah put him at all to death? Did he not fear the Lord? and besought the Lord, and the Lord repented him of the evil which he had pronounced against them. Thus might we procure great evil against our souls. Sounds like a few people had some level heads. And there was also a man, verse 20, that prophesied in the name of the Lord, Uriah, the son of Shemaiah of Kirjath-Jerim, who prophesied against this city and against this land according to all the words of Jeremiah. And when Jehoiakim, the king, with all his mighty men and all the princes, heard his words, the king sought to put him to death. But when Urijah heard it, he was afraid and fled and went into Egypt. And Jehoiakim, the king, sent men into Egypt, namely El-Nathan, El the son of Akbor, and certain men with him into Egypt. And they fetched forth Urijah out of Egypt and brought him into unto Jehoiakim the king, who slew him with the sword and cast his dead body into the graves of the common people. Nevertheless, the hand of Ahikam the son of Shaphan, was with Jeremiah that they should not give him into the hand of the people to put him to death. And I think that we can read between the lines and see that that was not God's plan. And so God provided Ahikam to be there to speak on his behalf. So here we have two examples of prophets that came against uh, Jerusalem or came against uh, what was going on there. And so uh, these two different prophets had two different ends. One king listened, and therefore people repented, and they were saved. But this other prophet, who was saying these same words as Jeremiah, uh, was killed. In fact, not just killed, they actually sought him as he ran away and brought Him back. Uh, You know, the reality is is that we we don't know where we will be as Christians. And if you have been living a life uh, pleasing unto the Lord and you've been following Him with your whole heart, uh, you know, sometimes things happen in our lives that we just cannot understand and cannot explain. Uh, But rest assured that God has a plan. Uh, We read... Um, in Acts 7.59 about Stephen. And the Lord allowed Stephen to be stoned for his standing uh, for the Lord. And it says, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Uh, you know, Stephen was put to death. But then we read about the Lord, how he reached out to Lazarus in the grave even. Uh, John 11.43, And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Uh, you know, was Lazarus more important somehow than Stephen? Was, had Stephen somehow displeased the Lord? Well, no. Uh, the, the fact is, is that you and I kind of get our eyes set on this old world, uh, but this old world is temporary. This old world is, is just not going to last. Uh, everyone must die. Uh, that just happens. Uh, we don't have the prophets here to tell us these words because they passed on. Uh, we don't have the uh, the people that, that started the Apostolic Faith Church here today with us because they passed on. You know, that's, that's the way of things. Uh, but what did they pass on to? That's really what we're talking about, is that they passed on to something more, something better, something bigger. They passed on to eternity. They passed on to a life uh, without pain or death. This is temporary. So what does our life really mean here? I'm not saying that we should seek death, but certainly if we would seek life, we should seek eternal life. In Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1-8, through it begins this way, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. God has a way that He's going to work and He offers us the opportunity to be in line with that. And that could mean that you and I pass on. It could mean we pass on young. It could mean we pass on old. But that's the way of things. It goes on in Ecclesiastes, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. So there's there's a time for everything. In Matthew 10.39, Jesus said these words, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And in the Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. You know, the the secret to being an overcomer, the secret to making it past the obstacle of life into eternal life, is to not be concerned about the temporal life, but to follow him wholeheartedly. And the Lord will be faithful. Just like he was faithful to Jeremiah. Yeah, just like he was faithful to Stephen. You know, Stephen was stoned, but he witnessed uh, the Lord in heaven awaiting him there. Now, what a what a thought. Amen. We'll continue on into the next section about the false prophets here. And this is conflicts with the false prophets. And we'll read Jeremiah 27, verses 2 and 3. Thus saith the Lord to me, Make thee bonds and yokes, and put them upon thy neck, and send them to the king of Edom, and to the king of Moab, and to the king of the Ammonites, and to the king of Tyrus, and to the king of Zidon, by the hand of the messengers which come to Jerusalem unto Zedekiah, king of Judah. So the Lord here had given Jeremiah an object lesson that he wanted to, uh, well, he wanted Jeremiah to be the object lesson to all the people. And so he was meant to fashion a yoke. Now, a yoke was used to bring animals together or to harness an animal for some kind of work. Uh, It was meant to uh, keep that animal in control. The beauty of a yoke when you yoked two oxen together is that they kind of kept each other steady. Uh, If you start getting off uh, with the other ox, then you'd get pinched, and nobody wanted that. At least I can assume that. Uh, No ox has ever told me they didn't want to be pinched. But we we see the, the picture that he's trying to paint here that there would be bondage that would be coming uh, to Judah. And that bondage was uh, prophesied and it was ordained uh, by God. Uh, so he wanted Jeremiah to wear uh, this yoke. But he, he tells them that if they, they don't, let's continue reading in verse 4, and command them to say unto their masters, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, The God of Israel, thus shall ye say unto your masters, I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm and have given it unto whom it seemed meet unto me. And now have I given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant and the beasts of the field. Have I given him also to serve him? And all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the very time of his land come. And then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him. Yeah, that's right. (coughs) Excuse me. So he goes on here to describe that if they do not come under the bondage of Nebuchadnezzar, that they are going to be destroyed. And so let's look at one of these nations. Uh, Tyrus is mentioned here. Uh, Tyrus, uh, or Tyre, uh, had been friendly to Israel and Judah uh, before the divided kingdom. Uh, Both David and Solomon had good relations with Tyre. In fact, much of the building materials in which to build their houses and the temple uh, came uh, from Tyre, or at least the Tyre's labor. And so uh, there was a good relationship uh, during that time. But things had shifted and changed at this point. And Tyre uh, was a, a place that, Uh, that no longer had that same kind of relationship. Uh, And we read in Ezekiel 26 that uh, Tyre had turned against Judah and was actually laughing at Judah and had pleasure in the fact that Nebuchadnezzar had taken some of them captive. Uh, So in um, 586 B.C., uh, Nebuchadnezzar besieged Tyre uh, for 13 years. Uh, Tyre was uh, an interesting uh, city geographically. There was the mainland portion of Tyre, and then there was uh, the island portion of Tyre. And the island portion was like a sheer fortress. Uh, It was, to their eyes, impenetrable. And perhaps that was the reason that they were taking pleasure in what was going on in Judah, because they felt safe behind their own walls. Uh, But Nebuchadnezzar besieged the mainland portion of Tyre and, and laid it waste uh, we read that in Ezekiel chapter 26, and it came to pass, the, the Lord says to them, uh, in Ezekiel 26, 3, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against thee, O Tyrus, and will cause many nations to come up against thee as the sea causeth his waves to come up. Uh, God was against Tyrus, and thus he, he commanded Nebuchadnezzar, or brought about Nebuchadnezzar to besiege them for 13 years. Uh, as we go on, uh, we, Uh, If you were to uh, do some research, you'd find out that these many nations that that besieged uh, Tyre uh, after this uh, were uh, Babylon, Syria, Egypt, Rome, Greece, Armenia, and Persia. All of them uh, had relations. All of them wanted to destroy uh, Tyrus. And in 333 B.C., Alexander the Great succeeded, uh, thus fulfilling even more of the prophecy in Ezekiel where it says that he would uh, lay their city waste and he would cast their building materials. It doesn't say it that way. It says their wood and stone would cast it in the sea. And that's exactly what Alexander did. He, he formed a bridge to that island nation uh, with the buildings and the rocks and the stones and the trees and all of the stuff that had built the mainland city. And they brought it to, to ruin. And you can read more about that in the history of Tyre by Fleming and uh, published in 1966. So Tyre suffered exactly what Jeremiah was prophesying to them here. The Lord was was telling them to, to, to take on this bondage, to, to, to take it on and do it willingly. And they would not, even to the point where they took pleasure in other nations falling. And the Lord judged them for, for that. Uh, we continue on in the same chapter, verses 5 through 7. Oh, I read those already, didn't I? Um, so here we're looking into this and, and the question. I'm just going to go ahead and read the question that's in our lesson. It's here, God alone sets up and brings down those in authority. Uh, it says that he, uh, he made it plain that He had ordained for Nebuchadnezzar to rule over Judah and instructed the people to submit to His authority. In what way should we submit to those uh, God has placed in authority over us? And this comes back to that same idea. God is in control. It is His plan and His way. We read in Daniel 1.8, But Daniel supposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the princes of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You see, uh, Daniel uh, didn't want to go against his God, and that was right and true, but he didn't uh, raise a stink. It says that he just went and requested you see, he was showing respect to the leaders. He was doing what God asked him to do. He was occupying in that place. He was submitting to the bondage that God had brought him into. And we see there that Daniel was blessed. The Lord uh, blessed him. In fact, if you don't think Daniel was blessed, then you have not read Daniel. Uh, we see that the Lord was faithful unto him. Uh, we read of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in uh, Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 and through 18. Uh, a similar situation, but a different outcome. <coughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. I don't think they were being lippy. I think they were just saying, we we will stand for our God. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We, of course, know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how uh, the king was wroth. In fact, he was so angry that he even made it possible for some of his own men to die just to throw them in the furnace. Uh, but we see how the Lord protected them. You see, they weren't being rebellious. They weren't trying to go against the king. They just, in the matter of where it uh, uh, differed with what God wanted of them, they, they chose to follow God. But other than that, they it says that they were princes. They were presidents they were people that in authority in the nation because they had submitted to the king's rule in hebrews 13 and uh, verses 7 17 and 24 we read about obedience to those that have the rule over you and i'll let you read those on your own first peter 2 13 through 18 says submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the lord's sake whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now that's an interesting thought, isn't it? That by being obedient to those that God has allowed to be in authority, we can actually put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free and not using your liberty, verse 16, verse 16, for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. The Lord sees you where you are. He knows the circumstances of your life. He knows where I am. He knows where you are, and he has that under control. It doesn't feel like that all the time. In fact, quite the opposite, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like it's out of control. We look around us today with all of the, the global pandemic talk and the, uh, the COVID-19, and it, and it feels like everything is out of control. Well, rest assured, God wasn't surprised by the whole thing. Uh, rest assured that, that God knows the answer for it all. Uh, rest assured that, uh, that re- regardless of what happens on this earth, God has eternity for those that trust in him regardless of the circumstances here. Amen. We'll continue on and we'll move to a specific false prophet. And we'll read about Hananiah. We'll start in chapter 28, verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and of all the people, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Well, you know, it's interesting. I happen to have an audio Bible, and I listen to that uh, to and from work on occasion. And what's interesting is that, of course, I've been reading through Jeremiah and letting that wash over me. And it was interesting as I was reading, I recognized that Hananiah was a false prophet. But in listening to Hananiah through this recording, (coughs) he didn't sound like a false prophet. You get what I mean? Sometimes people say things very flowery or they say things very well and you just don't know what to believe. Well, Hananiah kind of fit into that category. Uh, we read on if we were to continue reading we would see how he 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 made a grand show of speaking in the name of god even saying things that prophets say even saying some of the things that jeremiah would say in reference to speaking for the lord not in the same in the prophecy uh, but it's interesting jeremiah's reaction to this uh, you see he had, uh, Han and i had prophesied that the lord had broken the yoke uh, of Babylon. That in, in a couple of years, everything would be just fine. That, that Babylon wouldn't be a byword and they would be back in their nation. And we know that that didn't happen, but that's what he's predicting is going to happen. And Jeremiah says this in verse six, he says, even the prophet Jeremiah said, amen. Jeremiah agreed. That'd be a wonderful thing. That that would be the, the best, wouldn't that, that? That Babylon would no longer be a concern. We would be a nation again. He said, amen. The Lord, do so, the Lord perform thy words which thou hast prophesied to bring again the vessel vessels of the Lord's house and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. Jeremiah didn't want the people to go into captivity; he wasn't looking for his own reward in all of this, in fact, I think if he wanted reward, he wouldn't have been preaching what the Lord told him. Uh, well, if he wanted reward from the Lord, he would have right. But we, we have a circumstance here in which Jeremiah is like, well, I wish that happens. I, I wish that, that the yoke is broken. But we know that that isn't the case. In verse 7 he goes on, Nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears, in the ears of all the people. The prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. The prophet which prophesieth of peace then the word of the prophet shall come to pass. Then shall the prophet be known that the Lord hath truly sent him. You see, Jeremiah is being very clear here. The Lord is being very clear through Jeremiah that the true test of a prophet is whether or not these things come to pass. You know, you, a prophet is only a prophet if he's right. And so, uh, this is the circumstance in which you're in. We we see that uh, Hananiah comes up to him and he breaks the yoke that is on Jeremiah. See here, the Lord will break the yoke, he says. The Lord takes issue with this. And we read in verses 16 and 17, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. He's talking about Hananiah. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. God doesn't mess around it doesn't matter how flowery people speak, even Paul alludes to that in uh, Corinthians. Uh, he could speak with the tongues of men and of angels but but if he has not love, and that first love, that love of God, that love of following him is the most important piece. Well, this Hannah and I had missed out, and no matter how well he spoke no matter how uh, true it sounded his words were they disagreed with the word with the with the Lord and what he was saying so how can we tell I think that that's a a problem right for for us today at times that that it's difficult to tell well first of all we need to be uh, workmen studied in God's word we need to make sure that we're taking it in for ourselves don't trust me or anybody else to give you the Word of God. You take it yourself. You must feed yourself on the Word of God. And this time when we get together and we, we have Bible study, is very important for us. And we, we get together and we, we hear other uh, things about it, maybe things we didn't think of, and it's a good time for us. But don't wholly depend on this. You see, this is just for this time, but you must do your own study of God's Word. Know it for yourself. And God will guide you in that. I've heard of many accounts of people that would struggle over trying to understand what God was saying. I even read or heard of a man who who would point and he would just pray, Light, Lord, just give me light. Just show me. And he he would testify that the the Lord was faithful to always show him. Uh, We can look at the credibility of the speaker. Well, actually, Hananias' credibility became very clear because he died in that same year. That made it really clear uh, that what the Lord had said was true. We can also look at other godly people and what they have to say. Uh, we can uh, determine whether there are open or closed doors. You know, at this time, uh, what's really interesting is that they were already a tributary state. Even though they were still their own nation, they were basically subservient already to Babylon. Uh, you know, I, I they... Well, anyway, the Lord uh, the Lord did um uh, right by them. And then the last thing and I think also an important thing is that we can pray. Uh when Hezekiah was faced with destruction, he brought the letter from Sennacherib and he he took that letter and he he realized that he couldn't do anything to prevent Sennacherib from from laying waste. And so he brought that letter before God. And he said, Lord, what are you going to do about this? Uh, what? How are you going to handle this? You just show me what you want to do, and we'll do that. You know, that's really the, the best thing we can do, is to seek the Lord, uh, to follow after Him and see what He says. And you'll never go wrong that way. There, there's That's never a mistake, to seek the Lord. Well, Hananiah was dealt with by the Lord, and we go into the the fourth conflict here, and this is the conflict with Shemaiah. Uh, Shemaiah had already been carried into captivity, and he wrote a, a letter against Jeremiah's prophecies. Actually, Jeremiah wrote a letter to those captive, and then Shemaiah wrote a letter back in disagreement. In captivity, he wrote a letter of disagreement. Let's read a little bit about that. So, Uh, Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 29, and we'll read verses 4 through 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses, and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters." That ye may be increased there and not diminished and seek the peace of the city whither i have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the lord for it for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace you see the lord is telling them to occupy to to be a part of what's going on there to to live their lives there not to be bitter not to be regretful not to even raise a stink but just to to live there and to to listen Uh, to what God would have to say. And we know that there were those that were faithful to do so. We read about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were taken captive. We read about Ezekiel. They were taken captive. But they listened to the Lord and they followed Him and gave us a wonderful example uh, that we can follow. We are sojourners here in this life. Uh, That's just uh, the way of it. Uh, You and I hope for eternity. At least I hope you hope for eternity. Uh, If in this life... Uh, well, the is going to be way better. So trust that. Uh, we read, um, let's see if i got the right question here. We read in Luke 19.13, he says, And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. This is a parable that Jesus spoke where he gave uh, this man gave his servants money for them to use while he was away. Uh, and then he came back and he, he asked them what they had done with this. But he told him, he said, occupy till I come. Do, do your business. Go about life. Do those things. In Romans 8, 16, and 17, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our Spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Wait for it. You'll see how it's connected. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be, um, that we may be also glorified together. You see, the, the truth of it is, is that we are not citizens. When you, when you get saved, And you become a child of God. The Spirit of God witnesses with your spirit that you are now different. You are changed. You have a heavenly home now. You have a place that is with God that is waiting for you. And the beauty of this is that this no longer matters then down here. Any earthly habitat, any nation, any of that stuff doesn't really matter anymore because we are now a child of the kingdom of God. And we want to hold on to that. We are just sojourners. We are just uh, going through this life, journeying on our way to eternity. And in First 1 Peter 1.17, he says, And if ye call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now, I just wanted to get that word sojourning. You know, we're just travelers. We're just going through. And so was God telling the children of Judah to do that as well that one day they would be able to come back. So we'll read that in chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Amen. I get excited when I read that. Because here, uh, you and I are, in a sense, captive to this old world, to this old mortal life. But the beauty is, is that it's only for a time. It's only for a short time. And then we have eternity to think about. The, The reality, though, of that situation is that you need to be sure where you will end up in eternity. Because it's really clear, especially if you read through the Revelation, that those that are faithful to God, those that are overcomers, will make heaven their home. And there will be no more pain, death, struggle. But those that are enemies of God, those that do not follow Him, will end up in eternal torment. And no one wants that. Not even God wants that. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you to be saved. God wants you to be sanctified, and God wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We read about the Promised Land. We read about how God wants us to be in First Samuel fifteen twenty-two. And Samuel said, "Hath the God, hath the Lord, as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices?" as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. John 16.33 These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You see, if we are to be an overcomer, we want to make sure that we're being obedient. I wrote in my notes here uh, that God promised good plans. And if we want to have those good plans, then we must follow with good obedience. That's just the way of things. And we want to follow after. We'll close here as we look at the 13th verse. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. I've heard of people going on journeys to find themselves or to find new enlightenment or Uh, to find God, Uh, God has given us the path right here. Uh, We will find Him if we search for Him with all our heart. That's a, a guarantee. That's a sure thing. And I, if you have not found God, then you haven't been searching with all your heart. Maybe you've been searching with a lot of effort. Maybe you've been searching with a with a lot of fervence. But look into your heart. It isn't about how loud you cry. It isn't about uh, how fervent you are. Peter was fervent to protect God. Now think of how absurd that sounds. He was fervent, but yet then he went and denied the Lord. So it's not about fervency. It's not about any of that. It's about... Where is the state of your heart? Have you searched for Him with your whole heart? Have you opened it up completely? Lord, show me. I know a testimony of a man who's passed on now, but he thought he was a good person. He thought he was uh, just living life like he should. But he decided to go down to an altar of prayer after a service because that's what everyone else was doing. And he asked the Lord. He said, Lord, I, I think I'm okay. Okay. And he went down there for just for confirmation. Lord, I'm okay. But he said, He said, show me, Lord. Show me what I've done. And he said, The Lord just paraded sin after sin after sin in front of his eyes. And he began to weep. And he said, No more, Lord. And the Lord saved him that night. He came to repentance. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet and apparently I'm following suit. As we study the Word of God, look to Him for your needs. Ask Him for light. Ask Him for help in understanding and God will be faithful to you. God bless you as you endeavor to seek after God's will for you. As you endeavor to understand. Uh, the Lord tells us that there is joy, that there is blessing in trying to understand and to seek after Him in his favor. God will be faithful to you. God has been faithful to you. You're, you're listening to his word tonight. God has been faithful to you. Reach out to him. God will continue to be faithful. Amen.